Look it up. It's 8.49 a.m. Saturday, January the 12th, 2019. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane. Episode. Who cares? It's like 270 something, 77 or 78. I don't know. I think it's 278. Episode number 278. That's 278 weeks we've done this. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's a fairly consistent thing. You might, I mean, people, if people didn't know better, they might actually think we've got some kind of a relationship. Crazy. Oh my gosh. So, I, mean, I think it's a testimonial to uh, to the illusion that we create. That we there actually, ain't no illusion. That we actually like each other. You know? <laughs> that we're not constantly bickering and stuff like that when we're not talking to each other kind of thing. Yeah, I'm moving this a little bit. I don't know if that'll work or not. But yeah. So, here we are in the cozy confines of the nice and toasty treehouse. I'm all cozed. Yeah, yeah. Diana's completely I'm cozed. cozed. In. She's got wool socks on. I've Usually got means wool she's socks. going for the cozy. Of course, I think cozy is kind of a lifestyle for you, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of into that kind of thing. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Good stuff, not so good stuff. Lots of you know, bits and pieces in between. Giblets. Of a life. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. That's what we're dealing with here. Giblets, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Giblets in uh, ah, ham and eggs. heavy gravy. Heavy gravy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what we do. Over to you, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> take it. Give it back. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's been a, it's been a... It hasn't been that hectic a no. week in Lake Amphetamine. Actually, it's been fairly hectic. I don't know. It's There's been some activities and some issues and some, you know, things. I wanted to mention that uh, health-wise, I have not felt this good in quite a while, you know? And uh, for those of you who are deep listeners to the show, I've been dealing with a gammy leg for you know the last several years and and it seems to be we seem to be finding a way to uh fix it without any kind of invasive uh means i don't know that i don't want to jinx it by talking too positively about it but my hip feels better than it's felt in probably three years uh on a day-to-day basis which is good because you know it uh, mostly hurts when i sit or lie down of course, none of us ever sits or lies down, so <laughs> I just avoid those things, and I'm fine. But uh, Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. I don't sleep as well hanging on a hanger in the closet. <laughs> you boy. But I'm adjusting. Anyway. That's good coffee. I, well, I owe it all to uh, my doctor. Well, I owe a lot of it to my doctor, who has kind of uh, shepherded me through a set of lifestyle changes and a set of therapeutic modalities that have really over time uh, addressed the underlying problem rather than just masking the symptoms and I just think that is it's a uh, a way of going after things that has just really resonated with me and I'm just I'm all in so 
So kudos to uh, my medical team. <laughs> yes. And to my darling wife for uh, providing the uh, insurance coverage that makes these things possible. Okay, now will you say something now? <laughs> now? Well, please. I wasn't going to say something while you were talking. Oh, yeah. So that's the good thing. Uh, the bad thing is I had a couple of gigs kind of get canceled on me, and that kind of brought me low for a day or so. But, you know, I'm bouncing back. And uh, it's really nobody's fault what happened. It's, it was a mix-up, and, and uh, I'm lucky to be able to play as much as I do and, you know, would love to play more, and maybe I will. And yada, and yada. Yeah, and I, for my part, I've just been having a, a very interesting and active week at work because I have two new co-workers. My one dear podner has left uh, for her new job, and, and I'm helping uh, train two new uh, co-workers who are really bright and really motivated and so it's been a pleasure and um very harmonious team dynamics continue so that means a lot to me and then other than that i was thinking this week i've been listening uh, I, i know that we talk a lot about different podcasts and things that we've been introduced to but i've really found that the life of the mind is what happens when you're older i i'm not going out and adventuring that much right now uh, because i've got work to do and stuff like that but i've been listening to this podcast called dear sugars yeah and i stumbled upon it mostly through another podcast that we had mentioned before it was the this movie changed me and steve almond who is one of the sugars was on that that podcast and I was so enamored of his way of presenting things in that particular interview that I uh, and they said that he was from this podcast called Dear Sugars and I'd seen the podcast I think it's because it's popular since it was a New York Times thing yeah it's a cooperation between New York Times and WBUR in Boston but it's recorded most of the time in Portland Oregon yeah, yeah. Which is interesting, too. Because the co-host is Cheryl Strait, who wrote uh, the book Wild, upon which the movie was based. So it's two people who are very intelligent, uh, providing advice for people who write in. And all the people who have written in letters are extremely intelligent. It's They're beautifully written issues from the person seeking advice. And the advice that is given is so well considered and not just a knee-jerk reaction. But I was thinking how so many of the things that are discussed bring about a lot of thoughts in my own mind. You're thinking about the things that they're talking about. And the one I was listening to last night was about a person who was trying to discover how to be her own guide. And she was saying in her letter that she had given up her power to many people around her. And... I think our doorbell's going to ring in a minute. Oh, is it? Just FYI. 
Okay. Um, she wanted to understand how do I become my own guide, even though I'm asking you as people who are providing advice. I'm just curious, how do I do this? And it really made me think about when I started becoming my own guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is it just a package? Yeah. Okay. Because I know that you have been sort of on your own pathway for quite a while, but I have not always been. And I think that you take some wrong turns along the road and... Uh, I certainly have that are not rewarding to you or not providing you the soul sustenance that you need. And I could identify various times in my life that I had made a turn, you know, that I basically thought this is not, my life is not going the direction I wish. And I thought it was just an interesting topic because they were talking about the need for the person to actually realize that they were giving up their power to right. other people. Right. It's not always easy to discern. I mean, it's, you know, when you're the one doing it. It's a lot easier to see with other people, I think, yeah. when they're in the wrong place. Right. You can identify it a little easier and I think that's why parents have tough time with their kids because they know their kids and they can see when things are going amiss but all they sound like is obstacles yeah but then in and you know with parents you know you have to the roles have to be reversed and the reversal takes place over 20 years or so but for a parent you know you have to give it up yeah which is not something you're used to after you know 16 years of kind of being the primary guide and and influence, you know, to suddenly realize that you're no longer that can be traumatic. And I think it happens in relationships a ton, and you don't really know until you're out of it and have some perspective on it, kind of what the dynamic really was. So, And I think probably most of us have been involved in some kind of a relationship wherein we ceded power uh, without really noticing as it was happening. I just remember when I was young that I was following what I believe society was laying out as your ideas of success. Mm -hmm. You know, I just was presented a certain style of life and I was considered to to go along it. But it didn't, it just wasn't providing me what I needed. And when I decided myself to go off of that that path it seems so radical a mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. and it seems so hard because i was not following what was what was told to me to be the truth mm-hmm. so yeah anyway that was one of the ones that really was made me think but it's interesting how you have these various problems that other people are having in their own lives that make you think about how do I deal with these things? What kind of advice would I give in this sort of a circumstance if somebody was asking me yeah. this thing? What's amazing to me about this uh, podcast is how many times uh, the letter that they read 
that ends with what should I do? Here's my circumstance. What should I do? You know, basically all they're saying in response to the, the letter is you've already figured it out. Yeah. You know, your letter is so eloquently put and you obviously have already given this issue so much thought and you've delineated where you stand on it. All that's needed is for somebody to give you to, to give you permission to go ahead and act on what you already know to be true. And, which is one of the cool things about it because I think that is another you get into a place in a relationship or whatever situation where you lose perspective and so you can see actually a lot more clearly than you even know you're seeing the, the situation a lot more clearly than you give yourself credit for seeing and it's just a matter of someone saying well sounds to me like you've got this pretty well figured out you know well, even that letter that was asking how do I become my own guide, yeah. she was saying in that letter, I've given up my power to people so frequently, yeah. and I'm trying to figure out how to not do that. And the answer that they had was, don't do it. <laughs> That's you, you don't give up your power by not giving up your power. <laughs> um, but... I was thinking if I were to write a letter to a couple of people who I admired their style of advice, what would I be asking about right now? And and I already have come to the conclusion that I don't have anything to ask because I'm already I'm already in my own power right. in that kind of a way. And one of the things I've been thinking about recently is um, how to plan out my retirement. Mm -hmm. That's my big thought right now because I've been thinking I've got you know I don't know four to five to six to seven <laughs> or two to three or two to, to four. three or four <clears throat> years before retirement I really don't know you've been saying four or five or six or seven for quite a number of years yes so. exactly yeah which is kind of part of it but part of the reason why I think it's been difficult for me to decide on a date is that I hadn't really thought about what I'd do, how I would construct my time or, you know, structure my time. Because I don't want to go into retirement as some long vacation. I don't think that that would suit my personality. No. And we haven't got ideas of wanting to travel the world or whatever, which I think a lot of people uh, choose as their after-retirement activity. Yeah. But just recently, I've been feeling taps on the shoulders for... I am taps on... Well, both my shoulders. <laughs> taps on my shoulders, yeah. Got that. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> it's a paragraph. We'll get through it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was... tap on my shoulder to uh, to think about some various uh, things that have always interested me I, they've just been arriving at my doorstep because I've sort of put out the idea that I want to think about what I'm going to do after retirement mm -hmm. and so some of my passions that are already present started to come and say hey remember me one of them is, uh, I really would like to do something with death. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I really am fascinated by death and dying. So I would really like to maybe 
be involved with uh, I was reading about death doulas which I've never heard of before yeah that was one of the things that came up and because it's been such a uh, concern of mine in the last few years, I was thinking, I'd really like to do that. Yeah. So, so you, you know, what you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that, you know, uh, more than anyone you know, Diane is a planner. Her gift, her art, is uh, for organization. And so when Diane puts out feelers into the cosmos, the cosmos kind of steps up and starts lining up to give her options and you know so it's really really an, an amazing process to watch and completely foreign to my own experience <laughs> because <laughs> i've never been that much of a planner um diane talks about how you know i had my kind of life path laid out be, uh, at a fairly early age it certainly doesn't feel like that inside here it feels like i my life has been totally chaotic and not well organized or in any kind of way and I I persist in thinking that that is the truth I'm not an organizer I just have a thing that I like to do more than anything else so that kind of keeps me going and and I think you've got things that you like to do more than anything else to keep you going too and one of those is uh, working your path uh, in advance to where the next section of trail is there when you get to it and I think that's a unique gift that you have, and by virtue of you structuring your life in the way that you do, at least in the years that I've witnessed it, your path is always right there. It's well laid out. I think you're going to explore a lot of different aspects of this idea that you've got, and you're going to find what you what works for you. you know? But then you're going to learn a ton of stuff along the way, which sounds absolutely perfect. Well, I think the the assignment I'm giving to myself right now is to start to explore those passions that that draw me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I'm really fascinated by Michael Mead's Mosaic mm-hmm. organization and how can all these things, my interest in death and dying and aging, my interest in mythology and Michael Mead... How can they all mesh together into something? Yeah, I see, you know, 10 years from now, you'll be working directly with Michael uh, and that the Mosaic Multicultural Forum, which deals a lot with uh, uh, people with PTSD, with young people who are disadvantaged in one way or another, um, will have a whole new division dealing with the aging process uh, you know. I think he's already got something for the aging process really? in the works there oh, too okay well there you go but in any event but I mean I, that's, are, are that's you going to want to hitch your wagon to somebody else's thing or are you going to want to kind of be an independent person these are the things that will work out over time because right. you're going to explore all the options and uh, you know I just think it's going to be great I'm going to enjoy it because I get to sit and watch <laughs> I get to watch you know and you know just go back upstairs and write in my notebook and feel like I'm doing something. It's difficult for me to to really explain adequately because it's so new. Whenever anything's new in my brain, but all of a sudden I thought, I should start doing something for this. And Mm -hmm. I actually ordered a new beautiful journal that is just going to be about planning my retirement and thinking, visualizing what I'd like to do next and how to get there from here. 
because I think one of the things that's difficult for people <laughs> in progressing through a life is you know where you want to be, but how do you get there from here? Yeah. And if I kind of map it out for myself, it might also serve in the future to help uh, map it out for other people. Gee, Diane, you've never done anything like that before. (laughs) Well, even the thing that I think is interesting about this process is I had it in my mind that I wanted to get into some place where I could teach other people at my work so it wouldn't be such a wrench for me to leave, that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel like my job was still unfinished or people didn't have the preparation to take over my job. And I'm in that process right now. So yeah. I was thinking, yeah, I better start <clears throat> start getting my next plans in order. Right. And probably five or six years ago, you were struggling with how you were going to figure out a way to do the thing you're now doing. Although I, I, I never would have anticipated. You never would have anticipated that it would have happened in this particular way. Yeah. But the way that it is happened and is happening is probably more ideal than anything you had imagined going in. So (laughs) I think part of what makes your life magical from a spectator standpoint is that you are open uh, and you actually cast forward concepts into the cosmos about what your ideal plan is, having no idea how to get there, and the way falls at your feet, (laughs) you know, to some degree or other. Uh, so it's, I, I gotta tell you, it's one of the most interesting things about getting to hang out with you all the time is that I get to watch these kinds of things unfold. And I've seen it pretty much a, a constant progression of these things unfolding for the last 10 years. And it's kind of neat. And I don't, I've gone beyond envying you, uh, because, you know, I'm not going to learn those skills. Those skills are something that's part of, uh, your, uh, fundamental essence in the way you have chosen to run your life since you were a kid uh, is something completely inherent to you and I've got aspects like that in my own life but I always feel like my my little pathway is much more narrower and kind of you know maybe a lot more meandering than yours Uh, I don't cast as wide a net maybe as you do or something but I'm not dissatisfied by the the results of my casting either so when I think about what I was saying earlier that I didn't, when I was younger, I was following a path that was led out by society or, you know, put as this is what your goal should be. Right. I think once I found that those were not my goals, that was when I came upon this more. Yeah. And I think everybody goes through that, that yeah. kind of awakening. I just feel that the the options that are given to us by this commercialized society are not very interesting you know the the idea of making your whole life be about how much money do i get by the time i end it and whether i've got wow. the latest and greatest new piece of technology it's like yeah. the underlying premise of the culture is ultimately is revealed to be kind of shallow um so everybody i think ends up passing through that to try and find something more that's more meaningful and more resonant on more levels you know so and that probably happens to people who work in the software industry as much as it does to people who you know have studied philosophy their whole lives or you know people who are monks or you know whatever it's just there are so many different kinds of people uh, in the world 
it's kind of cool. And I think this segues nicely into the songs for today. Songs? Oh, yeah, we have songs. I've been thinking about, for someone who has been a student, for want of a better term, of songwriting for a long time, I, I, am in, I encounter, I come from the era of where an album was an album. And I know that that is no longer the dominant uh, means of consuming music. But, you know, when we grew up, you had the records you had. Right. That was your music, unless you wanted to turn on the radio. Uh, you had the records that were in the house. And uh, you, weren't at, you didn't have access to every song on the planet the way we do now. And uh, albums, there are certain albums that have impacted me uh, greatly. Uh, like uh, there goes Ryman Simon by Paul Simon, or uh, or uh, Gorilla by James Taylor. These albums were seminal Graceland. records. My Graceland, uh, Bruce Coburn's Humans album was hugely pivotal in my life. And you know, and uh, one of the one of the ones that I was thinking about was John Hyatt. He has an album called Bring the Family, where it's just from start to finish. It's just gem after gem after gem and as you absorb these details as a songwriter and it influences because you you want your songs to be more like their songs without being just like their songs the whole process of finding your own voice as a songwriter is imitating all the people that you like until there are so many imitations going on that they kind of all blend together into something that doesn't sound like any of those other people and then you say well who does this sound like and then somebody realizes, oh this sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I I rediscovered or discovered I rediscovered uh, uh, Guy Clark's Dublin Blues uh, album this week and listened to it a couple of times all the way through and it's just there's just not a clunker on it. It's just so well done and his lyrics are so well crafted and so full of specific detail and his songs are more like. Uh, novellas than they are like you know a single narrative through line that's what I love about good songs is that they take uh, a verse about one thing a verse about something completely different and it's they're kind of brought together in the chorus as a you know it's like the thesis antithesis and synthesis kind of mo mode of songwriting so that you get this rich palette of different kinds of images blending together around a central theme and it all kind of comes together at the end in this neat little package that creates this, you know, songs are little little packets of, of emotion and information and, and revelation and vulnerability. And it all kind of, they all kind of jumble together in some kind of shape that you haven't heard before. And it's just amazing to listen to and to enjoy and to emulate as much as possible. So... A couple of songs from Guy Clark's Dublin Blues. Fine. I like the way it feels, so I wear it all the time. 
got no guitar, won't ever stay in tune. I like the way it sounds in a dark and empty room. I got an old pair of boots and they fit just right. Well, I can work all day and I can dance all night. I got an old used car and it runs just like a top I get the feeling it ain't ever gonna stop Stuff that works Stuff that holds up The kind of stuff you don't hang on the wall Stuff that's real Stuff you feel The kind of stuff you reach for when you fall I got a pretty good friend who's seen me at my worst He can't tell if I'm a blessing or a curse But he always shows up when the chips are down That's the kind of stuff I like to be around Stuff that works Stuff that holds up The kind of stuff you don't hang on the wall Stuff that's real Stuff you feel The kind of stuff you reach for when you fall like God She's got a playground sense of justice She won't take odds I got a tattoo with her name right through my soul I think everything she touches turns to gold Stuff that works Stuff that holds up Stuff you don't hang on the wall Stuff that's real Stuff you feel The kind of stuff you reach for when you fall Stuff that works Stuff that holds up The kind of stuff you don't hang on the wall Stuff that's real Stuff you feel The kind of stuff you reach for
My love is never gonna be a solid bet It's kinda like working without a net Don't be afraid to let your feelings out Hey, that's what loving is all about Come on, baby, and give me a break It's how do you feel, not what do you think Stop rattling your key Shut up and talk to me Shut up and talk to me You know I've known you long enough to know There's nothing you can hide that still don't show You ain't fooling anyone but you When you put me through what you put me through Come on, honey, and tell me the truth Give me chicken fried steak, not a baby Ruth I'm not that hard to please Shut up and talk to me Shut up and talk to me now Shut up and talk to 